Hey, and welcome in to episode 16 here of the Grind on Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside my teammate, uh, Mr. Ben Metz, as uh, as his hat would uh, would be his initial as well. So that's Ben Metz right there. But uh, we're here to talk a little bit of cheap seats again. Again, no, uh, no special guests, so we just talk about special topics this week. Uh, Tennessee baseball, NFL draft will be on the docket. Uh, really just want to talk about the NFL draft. I mean, it's, you know, we're kind of actually a week past the actual draft, but really kind of some uh, taking a little time to get some guys signed. But uh, kind of want to talk about who won the draft, who maybe kind of fizzled out in, during the draft, and really want to talk about uh, Ben's team, the Baltimore Ravens, my team, the Denver Broncos, and then we'll talk a little bit about the Tennessee Titans because uh, I think there's bones to pick if you're a – if you're a big orange fan with the uh, with the, the people out in the mid state, but uh, but Ben, what'd you think about the draft? I, uh, we did a little cheap seats here. Watch about the first fifteen picks here live last week. Uh, just a kind of a wild and crazy first round. So uh, being a fellow East Tennessean uh, like you, Wayne, I was looking for a strong performance by the University of Tennessee, and uh, second most picks through the first three rounds uh, from a college uh, football team, uh, the University of Tennessee. So I was very excited, especially in the third round. I mean, you could have just played Rocky Top that whole third round and just danced as they, they started picking the names that we were familiar with during the football season. Um, and I started to reminisce a little bit about, you know, the national championship when TCU kind of looked at Georgia and go, wow, this conference is the real deal. They're, they're kind of good. Like, well, you know, the, the biggest thing that I, I took away from the draft in general was uh, I, I think Philadelphia must have only went to Georgia's pro day. Yeah. I, I think they, they knew what they wanted and, and went and got it. Drafted, I think, four Georgia Bulldogs uh, off their uh, national back-to-back national championship team. So, uh, But Philly didn't need a whole lot. Uh, I, I, I really think – uh, they added depth to a lot of places. Yeah, some of those guys will start, but uh, they they had a lot of injuries in a team that that really pushed the uh, um, pushed it almost to a Super Bowl victory last year. So uh, I think uh, I, I think they uh, they did themselves well. Uh, they've got a lot of guys who have played big time football for four years or at least three years. Some of those guys, and so uh, you know, I think that's what uh, that what probably what shocked me the most. But really. Uh, the, uh, the drop of Will Levis, probably one of my favorite things from the draft, uh, was just seeing that, uh, mayonnaise in your coffee kind of guy, just, uh, just sit there all dressed up and no place to go. And look, you know, Will Levis, he could turn out to be the next Aaron Rodgers. Probably not, you know, probably not. Uh, I think he's probably the next Ryan Tannehill at best. I mean, I'd say psychologically, him and Aaron Rodgers are probably on the same page. I mean, the guy puts mayonnaise in everything. I mean, and he eats oh. bananas without taking the peel off. Yeah, that's just un-American, like, right? One, one. How does that? Like, how do you get there? Like, how does that accidentally happen? You slip, fall, and bite into a banana with the peel on it. Like, like what part of I'm in too big of a hurry to get the peel off got him 
to even try that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, that would be like, to me, I mean, in my world, like, that'd be like eating a breakfast bar with the wrapper on it still, you know? Just just take yeah. the wrapper down with it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've tried, you know, you know, you kind of get the, the dares in high school, you know, you know, eating an orange peel. And there's a lot of people that eat orange peels. But I mean, a banana peel, I've accidentally just got those little stringies off the side, and those are gross. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So anyway, anyway, that was probably my favorite thing from the first round. Uh, you know, really didn't like that Hooker fell out of the first round. I thought that was that was and, and really I think it was a byproduct of Levis falling. You know, I think in the in the hierarchy of of what Mel Kuyper and those guys had put out there, it was it was young Sh- shroud, uh, and then uh, uh, it was the third guy, the kid from Florida, uh, Richardson, mm-hmm. and then it was Levis, and then it was Hooker. That was the way the hierarchy went. And as long as Levis was sitting in in the in the seats there in at the draft, I think Hooker was kind of he knew he was on the outs. Now, um, where are you? Where are you on the Byron Young? selection him being the size that he is that was a lot of the talk that we heard from the panel on espn where are you do you think that do you think that's a big concern or do you think his knowledge of the game and his ability to maneuver in the pocket is outweighs the size piece oh i think i think it definitely outweighs the size piece i mean look at look at you know we talked last week uh uh you know with with rusty about troy palomalu i mean he he wasn't just a just a a specimen if you looked at him I mean, you knew what to do with what he had so no i think it's a i think it's a uh it's a bu- bargain pick for uh didn't he go to the did he go to the rams oh no no carolina carolina oh you're talking about bryce young sorry yeah, bryce, bryce, about i'm tennessee's, sorry i'm sorry yeah, i was bryce. talking about tennessee's byron young yeah yeah sorry bryce yes. young but uh no i here's the thing i don't think he's gonna be a great pro i, I think he's gonna get hit and if uh, I think he's going to be very RG three, I think he's going to be great and light it up uh, as long as he can stay healthy. But I think if 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 they take his knees away from him, he he's it'll it'll be over quick. Yeah, I mean I think and I and I hate to give any credit to any Alabama football player in the fifty two to forty nine game, but that second half, Bryce really really started to show why he was the Heisman Trophy winner in years past. I mean, he just – his ability to maneuver in the pocket, make passes happen when they're just not there. Um, so I, I think his arm talent is NFL ready. I, I, I don't doubt that. But I will say with his voice as high-pitched as it, as it is, he may still have some growing left to do. He, he, may, uh, he may grow a couple more inches. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was funny. They were talking to he and uh, Will Anderson. And Will, you know, it, it was like, I don't know. It was like talking to, uh, I don't know, Mr. T and then uh, and then Michael Jackson. Bryce was like, yeah, Will, we won a lot of games out there. And I'm like, I'm like, this guy just, I mean, he just locked in like 40 mil. I mean, so anyway, I guess you can talk however you want when you get that kind of money, but. Uh, I like the uh, I liked Will Anderson. I thought where he landed is pretty good. Um, probably, uh, you know, a lot of the grades don't show it, but somebody a, a team that I thought had a pretty good draft was the Detroit Lions. I, I think mm-hmm. I think they're a team that's kind of brewing something, uh, and it it would be interesting to see if they can get uh, get off the map because they've been down for just so so long. But 
Uh, I guess kind of winners and losers. Who did you think had a had a pretty solid draft, and uh, and who did you think just yet again just kind of fell on the on the face? So, like you, I, I had the you know I had the Philadelphia Eagles up there, um, but they they were not who I thought did the best at the top, but they were one of the three teams. Um, I thought the Colts and the Steelers did really well. Um, I really liked that the Steelers got that offensive line protection for uh, Kenny Pickett um, with Broderick Jones and Spencer Anderson. Um, but then they also added uh, a couple uh, Wisconsin Badgers in Benton and Herbig will provide, you know, they're going to they're gonna help uh, T.J. Watt on the defense. So I thought they did really well. Um, I, I like, uh, and I know this is going to, upset your stomach so get ready for some tums after the show but uh i like i like the anthony richardson pick i like i like that for indianapolis um i'm curious how these quarterbacks are going to shake out over the next two to two to five years because i think i think either one or a couple of these guys are going to be big star quarterbacks in the nfl my hope is of course that hendon hooker is that guy in detroit uh, but only time will tell. You, you know, I'm gonna actually, uh, I'm gonna shock the world here. I, I felt like the Ravens might have had their the best draft, uh, and it's just really because uh, I think all the there was big gaps there because you thought they were gonna trade away the uh, they were gonna kind of do something with Lamar and just get a bunch of picks and rebuild with it. But I thought uh, getting the deal done on draft day was huge. Uh, getting Lamar at least agreed to. I think he actually didn't sign until like Monday Tuesday, but uh, you get you get him some more weapons. You get Zay Flowers, number twenty-two overall. Then you get a linebacker in Trenton Simpson, which you know that defense is still stacked, but they have traded away and lost a couple pieces. Uh, get the edge rusher from Mississippi and Tavius Robinson. Uh, get a corner in Caillou Blue Kelly. If nothing else, he wins a name game. And yeah. then uh, you get an offensive tackle, offensive guard. Uh, there on the back end, picks 199 and 229, uh, respectively. Uh, day one, A grade. Day two, A grade. And day three, A grade. I, I think uh, they did a lot to kind of, with the edge rusher and the linebacker, uh, help Roquan Smith there a little bit or at least give him some youth around him. And then I thought uh, with OBJ uh, being signed pre-draft and then getting him Zay Flowers, uh, Lamar really doesn't have an excuse now not to take him to the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, so just to you know, share my emotions as a Ravens fan during the draft, um, I was looking for, and I'm going to mess up pronouncing his name, but I'm going to roll with it, uh, Najigba. Is that right, Wayne? I'll take it. Okay. I was, I was hoping for him, and I was hoping that he would fall. I knew it was going to be pretty close. Um, I think he got picked two picks before uh, we got Zay Flowers. Um, but – what really was uh, a good sign for me is when they went to the war room, um, Ozzy was celebrating with the Costa, like before the flowers pick was, was made. And uh, my understanding is that Stephen Smith watched him in camp and Stephen Smith made comments to the Ravens organization that, Hey, this is the guy, this is the guy, this is the wide receiver you need in this offense. So he's a slot guy that's going to complement Rashad Bateman very well. Um, he's going to you're going to have that experience with OBJ. Um, so like you said, Lamar Jackson, um, you know you can't tweet whether or not he has the weapons uh, to go along with Mark Andrews, uh, Devin Duvernay, 
and that offense with the new offensive coordinator, Georgia Bulldogs, national championship mocking offensive coordinator. So, yeah, excited to see what happens. So, so uh, who do you think? Um, who who do you think kind of uh, maybe stumped their toe a little bit Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? So, I I did not, and maybe it's because I am a Tennessee fan. I did not like, uh, and maybe it's because I have Tennessee Titans fans um, in my family. But I did not like the Will Levis pick. Um, there clearly is a concern with him at quarterback when he doesn't go on the first day, uh, when all of the accolades leading into the combine were. This is the guy. Out of all the quarterbacks, Will Levis shows the size, the the arm strength. Um, if that's the case, why didn't he go early in the draft? You know, why did it go to Bryce Young? Why did it go to Stroud? Uh, so it tells me that there were a lot of concerns from the teams that needed quarterbacks, and I'm sure they did their due diligence, but the Titans are going along with this guy, and I'm getting a really bad can- – um, Ryan Tannehill, number two, you know, uh, feeling with this guy. So I, I, me personally, maybe just because I've got so many friends, but uh, the Will Levis pick, uh, um, and and they kind of came up short with some of the other picks too. I mean, they added some offensive linemen to help Travis Henry, uh, but I think really that quarterback pick could have been uh, maybe going a different direction. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. You know, there there was a picture side by side, and it said Will Levis just looks like Ryan Tannehill uh, about ten years ago. <laughs> so, uh, I you know I'm going to go a different route, and and the grade that that the people who know more than I do uh, gave him was an A minus. But I I thought the Packers really kind of sucked it up during the draft. Now historically, they've not been a good drafting team, uh, you know. But uh, I think anytime you take two tight ends and your in your First four draft picks, I've got I've got some question marks. She took their opening pick, their first round pick, number thirteen overall, was Lucas Van Ness. Now he may be the next fifteen year guy. Okay, he didn't start a game as a senior in college. Just had a great pro day. Must have must have done a lot of bench press. Must have sent some good video uh, to the scouts. Interviewed well. Uh, but he didn't start a game as a senior at Iowa. At Iowa. Mm. Okay. Then they took a tight end from Oregon State, took a wide receiver from Michigan State, which, again, um, that's a whole different story, uh, Big Ten wide receivers. Uh, but then uh, Tucker Craft took the South Dakota State tight end. Uh, that's all before pick number 78. Then you take an Auburn defensive tackles. Not a problem there. Then you take a quarterback – uh, 149, the Penn State quarterback, Sean Clifford. Uh, and then it's a, it's wide receiver from Virginia, a D tackle. They they drafted a kicker uh, ahead of some running backs, safeties, and wide receivers. So I just – I didn't understand their draft order. Like I said, the, that is a franchise that seems to be able to do more with less. But uh, with the exit of Aaron Rodgers, honestly, I don't, I don't know how you passed – because Will Levis was there at 13 for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, if they – and I don't know, unless they're just really uh, – they're really sold on uh, – what's his name? Is His last name is Love. Jordan Love, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, they're, if they're sold on him, I don't know why. There was a couple games 
last year or two years ago when he was first in Green Bay, they didn't even let him dress. <laughs> they didn't let him hold a clipboard. So I, it's hard for me to think now a year later he's all of a sudden the franchise guy. So mm-hmm. uh, Green Bay kind of, I felt like, let me down. But uh, you've kind of talked about the Ravens there a little bit. Uh, it was a fun weekend to be a Broncos fan. Like, here's the good thing about the Russell Wilson trade. We had no drama in our war room. Uh, we we didn't we didn't have anything to work with. Uh, we <laughs> played it around. I will say the most drama that was there uh, was uh, really and truthfully, I thought uh, uh, we made way uh, for Hendon to go to Detroit. Uh, we traded up, or Detroit traded with Denver to get the pick that they took Hendon Hooker in. Uh, that kind of bothered me just a little bit. Not that I felt like Denver was the best place for him, because again, I think Russell, just based on contractual reasons, uh, he's going to be there for a few years. Uh, Detroit pre-draft, I thought honestly he had a chance to to compete for the job, uh, but it looks like golf's going to get extended. So I, I, I'm not sure where that 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 hits for me. Well, I mean they lost. They lost a lot of draft capital uh, from the previous year in the Russell, the Russell deal. So I thought they overall did pretty good fulfilling their needs with, with the lack of picks that they were allotted. Well, I think what they were able to do, and I think, uh, you, you know, you, you never hardly see it all in the first year, but some of those uh, some of those trades late that they, they let a, a team move up two or three picks, they accumulated a pick next year. You know, they, they did this and really got it, got who they probably needed there anyway. Uh, and they, they continue to build some draft capital, but no, I, I honestly, I, I like what they got. They only, I think they only had four picks in the whole draft. And, uh, like I said, I like what they were able to do there just because, uh, you, you know, you really, you've got a pretty set running back, uh, cause Williams will be back. He's healthy. Uh, you've got Russell Wilson at quarterback, which, Historically, now I'm not saying that he hasn't turned and and is on a strong decline down to the end of his career, but historically, Russell Wilson, I mean, he he's not a a known terrible quarterback. We're hoping that the the Nathaniel Hackett uh, project just didn't work out for him. So uh, I think he's going to be just fine defensively uh, for the better part of the season. We were holding teams under 17 points a game, mm-hmm. and and I think with a Sean Payton offense. Uh, that'll be enough to win significantly more than we did last year. Yeah, and Vance Joseph, uh, he runs like a. I mean, he he presses on the he presses on the line, but he'll drop. He's big on corners and safeties, so I think he got two really good uh, players there in that backfield: Riley Moss and J.L. Skinner. Um, those are guys that are going to complement that attack defense that Vance Joseph has. And probably start driving that number down on uh, on the defensive side of the football against the opponents. Yeah, they actually had six picks, or uh, sorry, five picks in the draft. I thought Marvin Mims Jr., the Oklahoma wide receiver, uh, that's a nice stable because uh, he doesn't have to come in and be like a dude uh, because you've got Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. So it's nice to have a third guy there. Uh, the linebacker Drew Sanders, uh, that's been kind of a position of movement lately. Ever since we traded away Von Miller. Uh, Bradley Chubb's gone, and so really it's just uh, it's almost linebacker by committee here lately. But uh, then you've got, like you said, the corner and the safety, and then uh, just kind of finished it off, pick 247, uh, got Oregon center. Uh, I think it's never a bad thing. I think he may play guard in the uh, – I think he may play guard in the, in the league. 
Yeah, yeah. Get you a center there, last pick. Get you a guy that throws up in the locker room and, you know, smells funny, you know? Here's the thing. As long as he can, he can just uh, snap and clear, get to the next play, I don't care what he does. <laughs> uh, but uh, we talked a little bit about the Titans. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think you can look at a lot of different ways with the Titans. Um, my cup's normally going to be about half empty with them. Uh, and especially, you know, I guess the sour spot was, is I'm sitting here and, you know, just a couple picks before he actually goes, you know, they they have an opportunity to take Hendon Hooker. Now, don't right. get me wrong. I understand, you know, Will Levis, maybe there's a bigger upside. Uh, but you, you obviously get through the first round and you don't have to take a quarterback. Uh, there's still a couple good ones when you get back there. Uh, at 33, I'm like, I'm like, this is it. Hendon's going to go to Nashville. They're going to sell enough jerseys to rebuild the stadium. Uh, it's going to be a cool couple years. I mean, ask, ask the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, ask, ask the Cleveland Browns. People are starting to sign Josh Dobbs just because Tennessee fans are everywhere. And so they had an opportunity, uh, quite frankly, to do what's right by the state and and then probably take over. I'm not saying that the state's not already Titans fans centered, um, but I can tell you I'm not a Titans fan, but I would have probably bought a hooker jersey. I'll be honest. Yeah, and, you know, my, my problem where it lies, very similar to you, um, I'm going to give you a couple of issues I have with what the Titans did. Number one is the Hendon Hooker. Uh, and Will Levis, and and I, I get it. You know, we we wear orange every Saturday, right? So uh, you know, there is a little bit of bias there. But let's be honest: if Hendon Hooker did not get injured in that South Carolina game, he would have been in New York City for the Heisman. Um, Will Levis never even came close uh, to making that trip to New York City. Uh, very well-renowned broadcasters coaches said Hennon Hooker need to be in New York City for what he accomplished, okay? Um, he put the Tennessee Volunteers as a number one team in the country. So you can't you can't sit there and just throw that out the window and say, you know, well, Will Levis has got a better body build. Uh, you know, he's he's got a stronger arm, you know. So to me, to me, the, the pick that I saw on Saturday, every Saturday as a fan, was Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker is, is, is the guy you go with before you go with Will Levis. But the, the other issue I had, Wayne, with the Tennessee Titans was their first pick was not Will Levis. He sat there. He sat on that couch, and he waited. And they went with an offensive uh, – I think it was an offensive tackle first. It was the Northwestern kid, Peter Skronsky or whatever. Yeah, so so that, that tells me that – that tells me that if the Titans truly wanted Will Levis, they already knew that nobody was going to touch him till the second round. And what is that really telling you from the scouts and the other teams in the league? And then it, it almost looks like you're settling that, okay, we got uh, we got a couple offensive linemen, we got a tight end, um, we got us another running back. So what we're going to do is we're going to run the football and we're going to get a subpar quarterback back there to run our offense – uh, but we're going to do – we're just going to pound the rock in between the tackles. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's scarily similar to like Alabama about 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you think about it, you know, a lot of times now people want to say, you know, Bryce Young and, and they talk about all these big quarterbacks, Tua and those guys uh, that Alabama's had, which, by the way, Bryce Young 
is Alabama's first ever number one quarterback ever taken, which I think is kind of crazy. But um, they're trying to just run the football, basically going to put, you know, 300,000 miles on on Derrick Henry. <laughs> uh, but they take a, an offensive tackle, which I think does help that run game. Uh, they take Levis in round two. Then they, they throw a pick away and get two lanes running back, which he's kind of a scat back, so I'm not going to take away from that. Uh, but then you take a tight end, another yeah. offensive tackle, and then you get a wide receiver. So here's the problem that you have in all that. What what made Tennessee one-dimensional a year ago? Nobody to throw it to. Yeah. Because A.J. Brown was gone. Julio Jones couldn't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And then, and then they really didn't have anybody else. Basically, when uh, uh, what was what was the tight end's name that was like Mister Everything for so many years, Delaney Walker. Oh, okay, Delaney yeah. Walker. When he was there, it was like he was a receiver. He was like he was like Jimmy Graham and and Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey before they were a thing. Mm-hmm. Is Delaney Walker could catch passes out of the backfield, and he leaves, he retires, and uh, they don't ever put anybody back. They traded for Julio Jones and Robert Woods, neither of which are still on the Tennessee roster, and you don't pick a wide receiver until pick 228. Yeah. Here's the thing. I, I wouldn't buy Titan season tickets, guys. Because <laughs> I mean, Unless they, like, give away, you know, coffee with mayonnaise in it in the second half or something. Yeah, I mean, what, what it tells me, I mean, what it tells me, living in the state of Tennessee, um, obviously, I think – People would be – you'd be crazy if you didn't say you you wanted Hennon Hooker to, to have that job. I mean, it would instantly have brought energy uh, to that fan base, right? If Hennon Hooker would have got that position. Oh, I think uh, absolutely. So, uh, kind of to, to just talk about Tennessee, uh, I thought overall, even though, you know, maybe the Titans let us down, uh, Tennessee uh, put their names in, in pretty high company. I think we're the only one of eight schools uh, to have, uh, I think, picks on all three days in the last five NFL drafts. I think that was the stat that I saw. Uh, that's that's pretty high company. Uh, Darnell Wright, of course, being the the next and the latest first round draft pick. I thought that was huge. I think it's a good landing spot for him actually at the Bears uh, because they need him and he can play right now. And this may be a rinse and repeat of what uh, what Trey Smith's been able to do in, in Kansas City. And just to compliment the University of Tennessee, we're starting to see more and more of players that are electing to come back for their fourth and final year. Darnell Wright being one of those guys uh, after um, a couple of other uh, great Tennessee football players like Trey, uh, Trey Smith the previous year. So um, he's going to be a great ambassador for the University of Tennessee, so I'm excited for him. Oh, so so the stat that I was telling you is we are one of eight schools to produce five or more draft picks in each of the last two drafts. So, uh, and then of course, uh, you know, Darnell Wright, Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, Byron Young were our five draft picks this year. Uh, last year, Alante Taylor, Valus Jones, uh, Matthew Butler, Cade Mays, and Theo Jackson. Um, yeah, that, that third round, 68 Hooker, 73 Hyatt, 74 Tillman, 77 Young. So, I so mean, do, like, you, do you like Hyatt to the Giants? I mean, I think it's a – I think he can he can make some hay right there. I, I don't dislike it, uh, but I I don't know. It, it's always one of those, Would I, you know, knowing that he went that late, 
Uh, and the Broncos did have a pick ahead of him. Of course, I wanted him in in, in staying orange, if you will. Uh, but, you know, I'll, I think he can go up there and kind of make his own way. I think he's kind of a New York kind of kid. Yeah, I think uh, – so Saquon Barkley is the, uh, you know, the, the story, the running back there. Um, so I'm curious that the offensive system is going to be different than what it, what it was here at Tennessee. Um, it's not going to be an emphasis on the quarterback um, spreading out the offense, throwing the football. Um, you're going to see a lot more stack formation running of Saquon Barkley. Uh, maybe, maybe Jalen, maybe he gets a lot of success in the slot. Um, but, uh, I hope, I hope for the best for him. Uh, Cedric Tillman, uh, going to the Browns. Uh, you know, I think that's a, that's a wait and see approach. I mean, that, that franchise is, is <laughs> what it is. Uh, and then Byron Young, our, uh, Byron Young, he went to the Rams and, uh, I, I think that's a great fit. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, I, I think that's a, that's a piece that, uh, you know that's a place that that's shown to to really kind of have some things and be able to build out of it. So um, I like all the places. I guess uh, if the if if they can't go to the Broncos, we didn't have anybody go there. Didn't have anybody go to the Ravens. But um, you know, I guess I can live with it. Yeah, and what I like about the Byron Young uh, pick is I was really looking to see him get picked in the second round. Um, he's just a guy that towards the end of the season with the balls. Um, he became a prolific pass rusher, um, so he was able to contain quarterbacks on the outside. He's able to make a few, uh, get that hand up in the air and swat the football. I mean, became a playmaker on that defensive line, so he's got great size for an NFL lineman. So I, lo- I look for him to make big strides in the NFL. Yeah, I, I can I can't agree more. Uh, but uh, but I, I think overall, you know, it's still it's still wait and see. You still got to get there. Uh, you were a great player in college. Now you need to be a great player in the pros. And 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 a lot of people always ask me. They're like, you know, I don't understand. He was, you know, just those that maybe don't watch sports a whole lot. They're like, I don't understand. He was so great in college, and then just doesn't make it. Probably the one that that they ask uh, the most about is like. Uh, uh, Tim Tebow, Josh Dobbs, uh, Johnny Menzel, those those guys, and I'm like, here's the difference, and it's even even in big time college football, SEC football, even Alabama's in Georgia, all eleven players very rarely get drafted. Uh, now, granted, you know, will they will they get an opportunity to get a practice squad? Da da da. I'm not saying they won't get a look in the NFL. I'm just saying, in general, every Sunday. All those guys are pros. Mm-hmm. Well, on a Saturday, oh, they lost their corner last week, so we're going to burn him first thing, and we're we're going to go win this football game because they're starting to walk on her because they're starting a guy that in three years is going to sell insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no knock to people who sells insurance, but I'm just saying, uh, in the pros, everybody's good. Uh, you've got linemen that can run four or five. So I mean, it's just it's that level of athletic uptick. So uh, I wish these guys the best. I think I don't think Jalen's gonna. I think he's gonna have a physical uh, hill to climb. And I mean, uh, you know, safeties, you know, corners, they're gonna beat him off the line, uh, and they're gonna kind of jam him pretty good. And we'll see if he can adjust physically to that. I think Cedric Tillman may be the most NFL ready on the skill position. Uh, side of things and then i think probably the most ability uh to be good or or to contribute early is darnell right i think i think anytime you're a top 10 pick 
Uh, that's that probably goes without saying. But I think I think probably if not at the start of the season by midseason, he's probably starting games for the Bears. Yeah, and just to go along with what you said, Wayne, the difficulty of the number of positions in the NFL. Um, in previous years, we all remember as Tennessee fans, Nigel Warrior. Nigel Warrior was an excellent safety at the University of Tennessee. Um, he got the he got to uh, spring camp and he was released uh, very quickly after uh, being drafted by my Baltimore Ravens. Um, so uh, he's one. And then and then you look at some of these other players, um, and that's what you're going to see. Like Jeremy Banks, for example, I think he was picked up um, after the Bears. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. I mean, Jeremy Banks did not have a bad year at that Mike linebacker. So uh, for him to not even be drafted in six rounds, that tells you the talent that's out there with these these uh, these conferences. And uh, Rusty talked a little bit about that with us um, uh, in a couple weeks back, uh, just the amount of talent in the state of Florida, Texas, Georgia. Um, so, yeah, very talented yeah, and, and and you know it's it's we can sit here and a lot of people that make a lot more money doing this than we do, uh, they they sit there and talk about uh, those players that that are we we don't know right now that are going to be these free agent signings. I mean, uh, I'm not a big fan of him, but Arian Foster. I mean, he proved that he probably should have been a draft pick. Uh, what's his name, Coleman? Uh, that seemed to make his way. I mean, he's still in the league, uh, and honestly, at Tennessee. Uh, I, I nicknamed him every loaf of bread I could come from because every time they threw his way, he got toasted at Tennessee. And uh, <laughs> I think now that we, uh, I think, think now hindsight, knowing those coaching staffs, maybe it wasn't uh, it wasn't all his fault. Maybe he wasn't put in the greatest positions. But I uh, wish the best to the Tennessee Vols. Wish the best to to the Ravens, to the uh, to the Broncos, and and even though I'm not real happy with them right now, I wish the best to the Tennessee Titans. But I uh, want to flip script a little bit. We've been going about 36 minutes, so we gotta we gotta tune up a little bit to uh, to what we are uh, wanting to talk about. Tennessee baseball. Uh, Tennessee baseball potentially has turned a corner. Uh, they've won. They've uh, they've got a couple sweeps and a couple midweek victories in their belt. Uh, I think winners of eight straight, and then they're looking to uh, to go on the road, see if they can carry some of this fire from Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Uh, and they'll have to head down to Athens, Georgia, uh, to take on the dogs there uh, at the University of Georgia. Uh, ben, it's, it's crazy that the season's got away from us, but there's only three series, three SEC series left in the books before we head to Hoover. Yeah, and uh, you touched a little bit on it, 11 and 10 in SEC. So now we're over 500. Um, we've reached the 30-win mark. Um, you know, if we win over the next couple weekends, we're looking at hosting a regional, buddy. Yeah, and and I think it's it's uh you know it's weird. It's like Tony went, you know, I think he wanted this team to have its own identity. He tried to get some other things going. Uh, they brought out a lightsaber, which again it is May the fourth, so uh, maybe it would have worked today. Uh, but uh, it seemed like when everything went sideways, he just went back to what he knew. And uh, here came the daddy hat, here came the fur coat, and here came the aggressive plate appearances. Uh, I think pitching still got got some things, uh, some holes and some things that better teams are going to find. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if Georgia don't find it a little bit this weekend. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, you know, we, we basically walk it off uh, Thursday night against Mississippi State, and then the next two nights – 
uh, pretty much just demolish their pitching staff. Uh, and, and I think run rule them in the first game, maybe run rule them both the, the games there this past weekend. But And then really uh, just Wofford, uh, I thought they did pretty well for about four innings, and then Tennessee just exploded uh, there to finish that one out and actually shorten it to a run rule game as well. So I think we're uh, we have found an identity. Is it an identity enough to uh, to make a deep run? Is it is it a College World Series identity? I think that's a weekend by weekend approach. I I don't think you look past Georgia tomorrow night. Uh, I don't think you really uh, you do much more than that because I think you know and this is coach speak at its best. But I think if you just worry about winning the next game, then then wherever it takes you is as far as we'll go. Yeah, I, I mean, breaking it down into a couple of different groups of where we we have come to be successful. First, you look at you look at the pitching staff. So the adjustment made there is Andrew Lindsay is your starter, and Burns is coming out of the bullpen. Um, and Andrew Lindsay, statistically, opponents bat at a lower batting average than any other pitcher on that Tennessee has with runners in scoring position. So that is the success that you're seeing with Andrew Lindsay. And then Burns coming out of the bullpen, he's shutting the door. He got the win um, on, I think it was Thursday night, in game one of the Mississippi State Series. Um, and then look at Camden Sewell in game two, coming in from a bullpen perspective. He goes three and a third, seven strikeouts and ten at-bats. So look really good out of the bullpen. I think he's found something there with him. Um, and then switching to offense, uh Game two, you've got two sec- sections of this lineup. So you've got, you know, of course, the top of top of the lineup. You've got Maui, Ansley, and Dickey, and then you get into you get into you get into Burke, Moore, Merritt, and Denton. On game two, Dickey, Burke, Moore, Merritt, and Denton were four four of those guys hit home runs. <laughs> and then the next night, Maui, Ansley, and Dickey. Uh, get six of the 11 RBIs. So, I mean, or they were six for 11 with four RBIs. So, he's found the lineup. He's found success with the pitchers. And uh, I think one area that he's going to have to work on, though, is Dolander. You remember he pitched um, He pitched for just, I think, three innings in game two. Tony said after the game that he was sick. Um, that's why he didn't perform that well. Gave up some big home runs early in that ball game. But, a statistic to think about with Dolander, his earned run average in the first inning, in the first inning, is 12.2. You go second inning or deeper, it gets much lower. Um, so Dolander is struggling in that first inning of the ball game, and he's given up some big runs this season. Um, most of them are home runs. Uh, so I look for him to try to work through that with Dolander as the season progresses. You, you know, I, I think you look at the month of April because we've just kicked off May, and and you know, of course, the only win uh, being against Wofford. Uh, but but April had 16 games in it. Uh, the first eight we go three and five. Uh, the second eight we go uh, seven and one. Uh, so I think uh, I think we have improved uh, over the month of April, and then May's where we're going to either find out if we've got a longer season to go, if we're going to play some June baseball. Or if May's going to kind of wrap it up, so uh, I think I, I think this baseball team's got a lot to play with, uh, you know, really and truthfully. Um, I'm I'm trying to think of a of a weakness there. I mean, obviously, I think you know the guys like Charlie Taylor and those guys aren't like power hitters, 
I mean, I mean, all of these guys have hit home runs this season. So I think uh, I think anybody can hit at the the right time. And what I like about this Tennessee team is, sure, we're uh, we're hitting it out of the yard at Lindsey Nelson. Uh, I think that's just going to be a that's a calling card for Tennessee baseball. But what I'm what I'm liking is is up to the uh, the Vanderbilt series, we were atrocious, and that's a big four dollar word for terrible, bad, <laughs> awful, uh, with runners in scoring position. And I think over the Vandy series, and then of course last weekend uh, in the uh, run rules uh, victories, uh, we we played a little small ball. We uh, we we worked some walks. Uh, we uh, we singled. Uh, you know, we stole some bases to get to put some pressure on the defense uh, for the opposing team, and then ultimately uh, we were able to crush some. And just uh, you know, who was it had two three run bombs there uh, against Mississippi State? I mean, it just uh, I think it was. Uh, uh, What's the the kid Merritt uh, Walker Merritt? Yeah, yeah. So in game three, yeah, in game three, Dickey hits a three run homer. Scott hits a three run homer. Moore hits a three run homer. <laughs> so all that happening in the uh, first and uh, first and second inning to go up nine to one. But 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 case in point, the previous weekend we're there Friday night against Vandy, right? Uh, they win four three, right? Right. How many people were on base when they hit those home runs? Oh man, none. Right. It was four home runs. So again, we were we were living on a prayer. You know, we we were literally four pitches away from getting shut out. Mm-hmm. I mean, just just put it out there. And so now we're doing the things that it takes to play deep uh, deep in season, deep in postseason baseball. And so I, I like that. Uh, that we've seemed to find a little something, something in the month of May and not just been scorching hot in March with nowhere to go. And so uh, uh, I like this team. Uh, I think we got to worry about Georgia, uh, Kentucky, and those teams that we've got to finish this season out with. Uh, they're going to they're gonna have something to say about our eight-game win streak. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, you said it best, and I think, I think most baseball people know, uh, it's not about being undefeated. It's about winning series. And so get two out of three, get out of there. Win your midweek game next weekend. Get two out of three, get out of there. If you sweep one, I'm not going to be mad. But right. don't lose the series. I think they're playing too good a baseball to do that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cover real real quickly, Wayne. I'm gonna cover real quickly just the improvement areas, and then I'm gonna just give kind of a brief preview and my prediction for Georgia. But uh, you know, with with what we found with uh, Andrew Lindsay there, remember the first inning against Mississippi State. He loads the bases. There was an error made, run scores, bases are loaded. Lindsay pitches his way out of it, leaves the bases loaded, and then we score four runs in the bottom of the first. Um, so I think we're doing really well with this pitching rotation, and we're working through that. The area of improvement is middle relief. Um, Seacrest pitched well over the weekend. Halverston pitched well over the weekend. Uh, but Jenkins and Russell struggled on, on in game two. So we've got to have more support for these guys because Kirby Connell, we found out this weekend that Kirby, Kirby Connell is only going to face one batter because the one time where we actually, where a coach actually put him back out, he, he faced one batter, struck him out, and uh, Vitello puts him back on the mound in the next inning, he gives up a home run. So from here on out for the rest of the season, Kirby Connell is only going to face one batter. So you got Cannell and Sewell 
that are your solid go-to guys out of the bullpen, but they can't go for long, long distance. So Seacrest or Halverson have to step it up. Um, but what we're doing well is we've got the lineup to produce the runs. Uh, Georgia has five stolen bases in the SEC all season. But guess what they're going to do this weekend? They're going to steal bases because everybody steals bases on us. But this team has one of the lowest batting averages or uh, they have one of the worst batting average statistics when it comes to opponent batting average. So these pitchers for Georgia, they're somewhere around uh, 306 batting average. Only Mississippi State has a higher batting average from a starting rotation. Um, so I look for us to win two out of three this weekend. Well, I, you know, I told you, you know, and I think I set you up for failure, Ben. I, I said we just need to win the series. But I'm, I'm sitting here looking. Our three series remaining are Georgia, Kentucky, and South Carolina. Arguably, South Carolina may be the best team in the country. And so – uh, in my opinion, that's going to be a struggle. We may we may kind of uh, have our hands full that weekend. So, to me, I think you hinge your bets. You do everything in the world to sweep Georgia. They're eight and thirteen in the SEC. Uh, they are. Uh, uh, they have a better record on the road than they do at home. So, yeah, uh, I think you need to go down there and take care of it. Yeah, they're a bubble team uh, for the tournament, and and like I said, only Mississippi State. Um, has a higher batting average for their opponents. And I'm trying to see Kentucky. I know they're a good baseball team, uh, but I'm just trying to see kind of what's available there. Uh, I think you got to win those two series and then let South Carolina, uh, one, be kind of a, a firecracker to finish the regular season. Uh, but hopefully you can carry a little momentum down there because uh, I, I think uh, I think South Carolina, uh, they're, they're a serious team. Uh, Kentucky's very similar to us. They're 30 and 13 overall, 11 and 10 in conference play. Um, they're 20 and four at home, uh, and then they're 10 and nine on the road. So uh, Kentucky's going to be no slouch either. So it's going to be uh, what we do when we do it. And if we do what you predict, Wayne, best scenario. That, if we do what you predict, the best scenario for me is that we get that single elimination game in Hoover. And we throw a bullpen game, and we get out of there, man. Um, I, I, I mean, we gotta we gotta remember that the last two national championship teams out of the SEC uh, didn't do a thing in Hoover, Alabama. So, uh, single elimination bullpen game in Hoover. Let's go win a natty. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think once you get to that point, if we if we've got a regional, especially if we get to host it, yeah, don't don't we don't we don't have the depth to to put up with that unless it's Vanderbilt, of course. I think we uh, we left all the cards on the table there the other weekend. Showed them, uh, showed them who uh, who still runs this place, I guess. But uh, I'm excited about this weekend. You know, Tennessee baseball uh, coming out of basketball. I was a little little disheartened, but they've uh, you know Tony V. Uh, he grew the beard back and the swag is back, and so uh, we'll see what happens this weekend in Athens. Uh, I, and and I think winning on the road would do a lot for this team psychologically as well. Uh, I just think. You know, they've, they've gotten real comfortable in Lindsey Nelson, and it's fine because we love it there too. But uh, winning on the road is what's going to happen uh, for you to actually take a chance at a natty because you've got to go to Hoover, and you've got to win. You've got to go to Omaha, hopefully, and you've got to win. So uh, I think uh, I think road victory, especially this time of the season, uh, uh, they're worth their weight in gold. 
And I think a lot of these teams that are stepping back and watching from afar, uh, they want to see Tennessee win what we predict. They do not want to see Tennessee come to their region as a number two seed. They do not want to see that. Uh, they would much rather prefer us getting to host the regional um, and being a one seed rather than traveling and being a two seed um, in a, in somewhere across the country. Yeah, I, I can I can agree with that one. But uh, but Ben, you know, a thirty minute show it's just a, it's amazing. We don't we don't we don't have a semblance of time, buddy. It's uh we're about 45, 50 minutes deep right now. So. Uh, ben, any closing closing remarks? I know Kentucky Derby's this weekend. Uh, you and I are going to do a little traveling. Uh, we're going to go check out the Bravos, my Bravos, taking on your Orioles. Uh, so we're going to uh, maybe – we might do a little Facebook Live or something down there. Who knows? Uh, but uh, any any kind of comments about the weekend or until next time? Uh, the only thing is, like you said, we, we strive for that 30 minutes. But, you know, if this was the case of Benjamin Button, we'd both be in diapers right now, buddy. <laughs> ain't that the truth but man uh you know what appreciate it and as always the kicker of the side as his label would say uh but until next time take care be safe and yes grind on